The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Chris Crawford, and I am joined today by Drew Silva. Today, we're going to be taking a look at some very early draft regrets and also some potential betting plays for the Rookie of the Year. But first, let's go over some headlines from the early part of the weekend. Unfortunately, we got to start with some bummer news. Michael Harris placed on the injured list with what's being described as back stiffness, also as a back strain. It's been said that both look like he picked it up while uh, attempting kind of an awkward stolen base. They're kind of saying, Drew, that this is going to be a minimum stint, but this is kind of a bummer, right? And I think you got to look at some early replacements as well. Do you have some guys who you're kind of looking at here for Michael Harris? And, you know, is this something that you're going to be concerned about for the rest of the year? I think he initially suffered that injury when he like banged into the outfield wall on Wednesday and then aggravated it on that slide. Mm. I guess that was Thursday. It was that in the same game. Either way, um, they're saying like he he probably would have been back within four or five days, but they, right. they couldn't really afford to, to play a man short at this point of the year. Um, so might as well give him the full 10 days, let him let him get it rested. He was so durable last year. I'm not worried about this being like a lingering thing. Um, the internal options there for Atlanta, Sam Hilliard, like I've always had sort of a love affair with Sam Hilliard from his days in the Rocky system. Like, just go look you at what he have. did with their triple-A affiliate in Albuquerque. Um, and I'm I'm just a, a square who looks at AAA stats and assumes they're going to translate right over into major league production. And I know like Albuquerque <laughs> plays at altitude, right? Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a very hitter friendly park, if if I'm not mistaken. And all of them. Um, are. And he's yeah, and and I think especially there and Hilliard's never he's flashed sometimes at at the mm-hmm. major league level. He flashed sometimes during various points with the Rockies, but. Um, I I don't I don't know that he's going to be the answer, especially if this is only going to be a, a little short period for him to get some starts in center field. They also have Kevin Pillar. Uh, they called up Eli White, who's a very good defender, not much of a hitter, but can cover all three outfield spots. He was actually after off to a pretty good start at AAA, but um, I, I don't think really the internal options there for Atlanta are are where you want to look. Uh, Miles Straw is out there. Um, already a ton of steals. He's got to be the major league leader, right? I think he has up to five now playing every day in, in center field for the guardians. Brian Anderson is a top five player at the moment. I think he's number two, depending on what your scoring categories are. Um, but he's been picked up a lot. Good situation for, for Anderson to thrive there in Milwaukee. Um, Luis Urias is hurt. Tyrone Taylor with another setback recently. So it looks like Anderson is going to be an everyday player for the Brewers for the foreseeable future. And, and they've gotten off to a really hot start. Adam Frazier is is off to a great start with Baltimore, outfield eligible and at second base. That's not going to fully last, but he's had some nice runs with batting average. Um, He's also had some bad runs as well, just a very kind of streaky hitter. Michael Conforto is still around 50% rostered, which I was surprised Mm. by. You got to love the power he's shown so far with the Giants. So if you're playing in a shallower league he looks good coming off that entire missed 2022 season because of shoulder surgery um it i don't know it it did feel like the outfield was shallower than it's been this draft season ryan boyer mentioned that to me on one of the first podcasts we did together and that was before i'd even done a draft and i was he's like outfield's pretty shallow and i was like really like it's never been shallow but if if you're if you're drafting in like a five team league 
um, those options like got very scarce pretty quickly. Like you couldn't just wait to fill out your final two spots in that five team outfield or five outfielder team grid. Um, you couldn't just wait. So I don't know. Miles Straw, if, if you want speed, I think Brian Anderson, he's going to be an everyday player. And, you know, he's definitely been a productive fantasy performer in the past with the Marlins. And he looks really healthy. Um, and, and he's going to be eligible at multiple positions, third base and the outfield. I would go with one of those two. And hey, if Conforto's there, certainly grab him. I think Conforto's a great call. I was surprised when you told me how little he's rostered in leagues just because he does have the pedigree. I, I get coming off the injury and not exactly a huge stolen base threat, but that's that's a nice little pickup. I would say, too, on top of Brian Anderson, uh, Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer would both be guys that I'd be looking to target as well. I, I've been really impressed with what Mitchell has done. He hasn't stolen a base yet, which is a little surprising because – that dude can fly, but I think they will be coming and Weimer offers some power speed combination. But yeah, all those guys. But fortunately, it does sound like this will be a short term injury for Harris because this is a player that a lot of you drafted in the second round or the top of the third a top 30 option. Here's hoping that you get that type of production for the rest of the season after he comes back in hopefully a week or so. Marcus Stroman Drew has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, and that's how I know it is April 8th. Now, all due respect to Marcus Stroman, but I have been impressed with what I've seen from him. Uh, six more shutout innings on Friday against a pretty solid Ranger lineup, gave up just the two hits, walked three, struck out eight. So over his two starts to begin the year against Milwaukee and Texas, 12 innings, five hits, 14 strikeouts against six walks. Are you buying into Marcus Stroman? Obviously, I'm not asking you, will Marcus Stroman have a 0.00 ERA on the 2023 season? But you have to be at least a little impressed with this, Drew. And are you buying in on him being an option for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, he's he's always pretty much been a, a fantasy-relevant pitcher because the ERAs have always been really good. And mm -hmm. I would expect that to continue. I mean, he's always limited runs at least like in the last four or five years that's that's been his bag um i don't think the strikeout rate is going to be what it is right now what he's got he's got 14 so far in his 12 scoreless innings 14 strikeouts he's, he's issued six walks um i he's never been like a k per nine guy above above nine it's it's i think what, what his career k per nine 7.5 and mm -hmm. i would expect it to settle closer to eight than 11 where he's he's hinting at right now um but yeah i mean i i think he's he's a very good pitcher who's always been you know a, a solid number four type of fantasy starter i was surprised when the cubs gave him the contract that he did because it didn't seem like they were going to be competitive right away and right. i'm still not really sold that they're going to be competitive this year even though they did open up the pocketbooks over the winter um, but it's looking like a perfect fit. I, I think he just he really wanted to play in Chicago and, and live in Chicago. I mean, the north side of Chicago is is one of the coolest areas in the country, especially yeah. during the summer. Actually, only during the summer, maybe. <laughs> but I, I uh, no, I mean, yeah, I I think he's going to have a nice year ERA wise. I wouldn't expect this uptick in strikeouts to continue. It's 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 very early to to be like making conclusions on, on what a guy is doing. But he looks sharp, looks sharp out of the gate. Yeah, you can't complain about the start. I mean, I'm just looking at uh, some of these uh, numbers on Baseball Savant, and remember, Savant, it's not predictive. It just gives you, but he's earned the results. Like, his whiff percentage is in the 76th percentile, strikeout percentage in the 77th. Always concerned about the fact that because he is uh, diminutive, which is the nice way, I think, to put that, he does not generate a lot of extension, so... You know, if you pick up the baseball on him, you can hit the baseball an awful long way. And I don't expect him to be somebody who puts up strikeout totals uh, the way that he has. But I will admit, I have watched both of the starts and I have come away impressed. Um, he's always been a kind of a risky guy for me in fantasy just because there's such a chance of a blowout start because he doesn't miss bats and he doesn't generate the extension or a ton of velocity or um not a great combination for uh, fantasy dominance, but uh, certainly impressed with what he's done so far. The, yeah. And the, you know, the Cubs can play defense. Like, you know, I don't think Dansby Swanson is going to be the hitter. They expect him to be given the salary, but he's a great defensive player. 
and all yeah. their entire infield and and they've got some some good gloves in the outfield. Seiya Suzuki is on his way back. He he started a rehab assignment. He's starting a rehab assignment today, I believe, um, on yeah. Saturday. So he he could be back by the end of next week, and that's a big boost too. Um, getting him back. Absolutely. Uh, somebody who has missed bats at a, a little higher rate uh, over his career is, and by a little, I mean mostly a lot. Sonny Gray was dominant on Friday. Seven innings, four hits, one earned run, one base on ball, 13 strikeouts against the Houston lineup. Uh, over his first 12 innings of the year, he has given up just that one run, 14 strikeouts, five walks. Drew, I think Sonny Gray has been was somebody that has tantalized us for a long time as a fantasy option. Could this finally be like the breakout year? And by finally, I mean a breakout year after a few years of borderline mediocrity and wondering if this guy was kind of done too. I know, man. If you've been playing fantasy baseball for the last decade or writing about fantasy baseball for the last decade, you've had to like change your opinion on Sonny Gray so many times. It's for and sure. And I don't know where I am with I don't I don't know where I am with it right now. Um yeah. but I mean he's when healthy over the last couple of years, he's been really effective with the strikeouts and with the ERA. And man, that entire twins rotation right now, we was it you that we were talking about like world oh uh, we were talking I yeah. know, what was the topic? Oh win totals. And you really like the twins over yeah. and I think it was it was like 82 and a half or something 83 and a half maybe yeah it might have even been lower than that and you pointed to their rotation and I was like eh but I think the point you made was that it's a lot of like potential number two and number three guys and they don't really yes. have a weakness there and mm-hmm. you look at what they've they've done out of the, the gate so far this season again it's really early but Pablo Lopez a 0.73 ERA through two starts Sonny Gray a 0.75 ERA through two starts. Joe Ryan had a good debut. Kenta Maeda came out of his start with a little fatigue, but he was dominant before he left. I think he had, what, nine strikeouts over five innings, Um, only one run allowed. Tyler Malley looked awesome. Seven strikeouts, one walk over five, one run innings. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the Twins look like they have a really good pitching staff right now, and and Sonny Gray is part of that. Um, If he's healthy, yeah, I think he's like a – a good number five type fantasy starter. And I, you could say that for every name that I just listed off there with like Maida and Mali and Lopez, probably like having a ceiling of maybe being a number two type fantasy starter. Um, maybe Mali more number three, but I mean, Maida won the, the AL Cy Young award during the COVID year. Um, so he's, he's proven that he can be like a top flight fantasy arm. I'm dancing around the question. Cause I don't, I don't know what to think about Sonny Gray, yeah. honestly, like, it's a tough know. one. It's a tough one because, look, we have been burnt before, haven't we? And we, you know, it's it's uh, it's worth pointing out that he is a much different pitcher than he was in those couple of years, I guess it was, with the Yankees where he just looked like a lost cause and that he had a couple of really fantasy-relevant seasons with the, with the Reds. But injury stuff, I think you always have to be cognizant of it. Sonny Gray, not exactly the biggest pitcher in the world either. So some questions about durability. But I would say this. I'd be hopping on the bandwagon just because I've been so impressed with the stuff that he's shown in these first two starts. And I do think that the Twins provide a pretty good chance for wins. Uh, Drew, we have written a lot about this guy, mostly uh, about rumors, to be honest with you. Brian Reynolds, because, you know, the contract situation that's going on there, the the rumor that it's got, there's just a couple of clauses that have kept it from getting done. Who the heck knows? What I do know is that Brian Reynolds has been really flipping good to begin the 2023 season. It is fifth home run of the season. Uh, has a 1.572 OPS right now. Uh, has driven in 13 runs, which leads baseball, leads baseball in hits, RBIs, slugging, and total bases. Uh, I I don't even know what to even ask you about this, Drew, other than just to say, like, are we ever going to stop underrating Brian Reynolds as a fantasy option? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I It can be like in the back of your mind when you draft Brian Reynolds, you're like, oh, did I just draft a Pittsburgh pirate? Um, <laughs> but people, people don't feel that way about O'Neill Cruz, you know, because you can dream on him being like a 40 40 guy at some point 
I don't know sure. if he ever gets there, but like that's that's the kind of potential that he brings. And Brian Reynolds is just super solid, and he's like pretty much always been that. There have been a, a little bit of peaks and valleys uh, to mm-hmm. his like overall back of the baseball card numbers, but he's just a, a super solid hitter with a great plate approach. And I guess we got to talk about it. This baseball is bouncing. Um, oh yeah, and I I, I hate I hate doing this every year. I'm so tired of talking about you know analyzing the baseball and trying to factor that into fantasy projections, but. The thing is flying, um, and like it's very noticeable in in bigger ballparks that players are having an easy time hitting four hundred and fifty foot bombs. And Reynolds sure. is a guy that can benefit from that because he's a really good line drive hitter. He's a good doubles hitter, and those balls are going to go over the fence if if there's a little more juice in the baseball. Um, and I, the whole contract situation is is weird. If it it's being reported that it was like seven years and just over a hundred million. I can't believe that he would even he and his agent would even consider that. Like, Correct. have you seen what the baseball landscape is giving to <laughs> to productive hitters? Like, it's kind of changed for pitchers. Like, you're not getting like top dollar Garrett Cole money. It seems like for pitchers anymore. But you look at like the Manny Machado extension that he just got. There's there's a ton of recent examples. Like the the pocketbooks are open for productive hitters. And so I, I don't blame him. I can't believe the Pirates didn't just say, okay, yeah, you can have whatever clauses you want if you're going to accept seven years, $100 million. Maybe it's not – maybe the, that figure is not correct. Because like, I, I feel like that information is probably coming from like a pirate source maybe. Like oh, it, yeah. it doesn't seem like it I – don't, I don't think that Reynolds and his, his agent have been, have been like very vocal about it other than to say that we – we either want this done or we're going to free agency, but I guess it's still going on. And, and the fact that the conversations are, are still happening, I guess gives you optimism as a pirates fan that they're not going to let another star get away. But if it doesn't get done by the trade deadline, which is going to be August 1st, I believe they just kind of set that. I think he's going to move to a different team. I think they, they, I, I mean, they might as well trade him at peak value. And if he's, you know, the MLB home run leader rolling into July, like sure. there's going to be a lot of teams that want that guy. And it, it maybe it would be smart long-term for the pirates to do that, even though they're just in this perpetual rebuild and it's just going to kind of start again. I mean, they still have some control over him, um, but that would be great for his fantasy value, right. To get into yes. a better lineup. And he's like an ideal, like number two type hitter, depending on where he goes. And to, to plug him in, like the, the Dodgers could kind of use an outfielder, like how how nice would that look with him sitting there at the top of the lineup or even like if he slides into like the max muncie number three type role um you could just see him going to a team bringing that great plate approach and just eating up rbis and runs scored Uh, so i i I think i'm surprised that he's shown so much power out of the gate but i'm also not because it seems like we're dealing with a different baseball yet again yeah, and he, a guy who makes hard contact. I'm still more a believer in Brian Reynolds in the average category, even though he only hit 262 last year. That hit tool is just so good. It's been something I believed in since Vanderbilt. Uh, before we get into the second part of the show, I think we got an interesting question here on the chat, uh, and I'm going to answer it just because they complimented my shirt. Uh, the Hart Foundation asks, I need a backup third baseman for Bobby Wood Jr. in a mixed league, 12-team league. Patrick Wisdom and Isak Paradis are available. Who would you suggest I pick up? Drew, which of those two would you be picking up? I don't know. I want, I want to see more options. <laughs> That's fair. Let's um, just say those are the only two options available for the sake of this beautiful per, chat. I would go Paredes then, I guess. I I mean, w- hey, Wisdom's got raw power, and I just talked about how the baseball is going to reward, you know, sure. guys like that. I'm I just, he's just not actually a very good player, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like I, he, but he runs into baseballs and he's got an everyday job for the time being, like the, the Christopher Morrell was sent down before camp broke. Um, I, I don't really see him maintaining like an everyday type status. If, if the Cubs are actually going to challenge for the NL central, sure. I don't think wisdom's going to be an everyday player for them. Um, but hey, it's like it's kind of what they have right now. Um, I don't know. Neither of them are are very exciting. I feel like in a in a mixed twelve team league, you could do better at third base. 
I want to see other op- the Heart Foundation send us other options and we'll like send us like five other options and we'll pick a better one maybe. Sounds good. Um, I will say this: I I do like Paradise. My only issue is he's going to have to play really well because there are some options in Tampa Bay and their farm system yep. that like Curtis Mead and uh, you know Vidal Brujan if he gets off to a hot start like that could really limit his playing time. But he's off to a really nice start, and we have seen. That when Paradis is hot, like especially last year, he was like for a second there, he looked like a real thing and is a former top prospect. It's worth pointing out a guy that the Cubs really liked, um, traded to Detroit, didn't really work out in Detroit, um, but Tampa Bay is pretty good at this. They appear to be tapping into those things. So if those are your two options, those are the two that I would personally go with. Uh, We're going to take a look at some early draft regrets and also look at the rookie of the year odds because I think there are some interesting plays both in the NL and the AL. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all of the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with vivid seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit reward and your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Here's a pro tip reward. Buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See VividSeats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. All right, Drew, we're reactionary folks. Let's take a look at some guys that we're having regrets about. And look... It is April 8th. Even even we can admit that there's an awful lot of baseball left. But we're really going to be focusing on some guys who have gotten off to impressive starts that maybe we uh, shouldn't have slept on. And, uh, Drew, why don't you start with uh, a guy who is very near and dear to my heart? Yeah, well, just at the top, I'd say I, I was trying to think of some guys that, like, I, I wish that I didn't draft. But I feel like it's even way, way too early to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe a couple weeks from now that'll be the topic. Like there we go. But yeah, I'm gonna start it off with Luis Castillo, and we talked <sighs> about some AL Cy Young Award odds before the season started. And I think you mentioned Castillo as a nice play. You're you're also on the Twins. Look at you. You're you're not so bad. Um, and <laughs> Castillo Castillo wasn't necessarily like a long shot, but he was at no. plus sixteen hundred, plus seventeen hundred behind Garrett Cole, Jacob Degrom. Dylan Cease, uh, Carlos Rodon, who's still injured right now, Alec Manoa, Shohei Otani, and Shane McClanahan. So eighth on the board at most betting sites. And and everything we've seen so far in the early going has me thinking he should be among the favorites. And a top 10 fantasy starter just seems super comfortable in Seattle. Uh, Declined an invitation to pitch in the World Baseball Classic so that he could stay in Mariners camp. He got the opening day Mm -hmm. nod in what will be his first full season on the Mariners out of a, a number of good options that they could have gone with. Um, the five-year, $108 million extension last sep- September, which could prove to be a huge bargain. Yeah, 11 and two-thirds scoreless innings to begin his 2023 season. 
against the Guardians and the Angels. Pretty good lineups. Just three hits allowed, two walks, 12 strikeouts. Castillo was the 16th starting pitcher to go in the average draft this spring. So obviously wasn't any kind of sleeper. And sure. in a snake draft or auction too, you'd, you'd have to reach to get him before his, his typical draft slot or dollar amount. Uh, but looking back, I wish that I, I did reach. And, you know, it's easy to say right now, but looking at the ADP chart on, on Rotowire and the pitchers in his range, I'd want Castillo over Max Scherzer. Maybe that's a little reactionary, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Zach Wheeler, I'd take him over Zach Wheeler. I'd take him over Alec Manoa, and I, I would obviously take him over Justin Verlander, but that, that obviously gets clouded because he went down with an injury before the season. But you can go pretty high up the list like this, and and I think he gets into that top 10 if if we're re- redoing drafts and we're only, what, 10 days into the season. Um, and he, he goes at Wrigley Field against the Cubs next week. Then hosting the Rockies after that, a two-start week, actually, if the Mariners stay on their current projected rotation schedule. As my, like, number two starter, or even waiting a bit and, like, making him my ace, that would have set you up pretty well. Big fan of Luis Castillo. I I, I, I was going into draft season, um, and it's not like there were other pitchers in that range that I liked more. It's just almost like, uh, I don't know, like... I. Could he be like a 220 strikeout guy? You know, like that's the kind of the range that that you need him to be. And I I feel like he can be. I feel like he's going to bring everything that you need from a fantasy ace, the wins, the ERA, the whip, the strikeouts, and the workload. Um, I I think he's just going to be a workhorse ace all season for the Mariners. Yep, I totally agree. And I will say this. So Ryan and I, when we did the preview category, mentioned Luis Castillo as a potential bust in the whip and it's the closest I've ever come to quitting um but I will say this I got it because there have been issues with him throwing strikes before his command since joining the Mariners just looks so different and you have to give the Mariners credit which is a weird thing for me to do I literally have a radio show that basically yells at the team every single week but their pitching development is really good and I just watch Castillo pitch and like He looks like the command of an ace now, and he's always had the good stuff. He's always had that impressive change, which, by the way, he started throwing again uh, in the start against Cleveland, which was awesome to see some 70 grade pitches there. But he's mostly fastball slider now, and the Mariners are as good. They are like what the Mets were for developing sliders were a couple of years ago. These guys now, when the Mariners get a chance to get these guys these sliders, it's really impressive. I could not be more in on Luis Castillo as a Cy Young candidate. Um, Drew, thank you for saying nice things about my sweet, sweet Luis Castillo. I want to talk about a guy who, man, it just, it frustrates me that I did not draft this guy higher because he's a 22-year-old who's had success in the Major League Baseball, and he's off to a great start in 2023. Wander Franco, and I'm just going to read you, Drew, some baseball savant stuff here. And again, not predictive, but does represent just how flipping good this guy has been. 97th percentile and expected weighted on base average, 97th in expected batting average, 98th in expected slugging, 92nd in barrel percentage, 94th in Ks, 96th in width percentage, 89th in chase rate, hard hit percentage, all well above average. Like, Drew, this is one of the most talented baseball players that I've ever seen in my entire life. And he ended up being drafted as the right around the ninth shortstop. Him and Willie Adamez and Tim Anderson kind of rotated through stuff. And I get what the concern was from the fantasy community that he just doesn't run as much as some of these other guys. He just doesn't. But neither does Carlos Correa. And all due respect to Carlos Correa, Wander Franco is a better offensive player than Carlos Correa. I'm just saying that right now, hot take. I believe that Wander Franco is a better offensive player right now than that guy. He's a better p- offensive player than a bunch of these guys. Look, I have a pot. I am a prospect guy. I, unfortunately, I can get sucked into this stuff and sometimes it works and a lot of time it doesn't. But this is a 22 year old Drew who struggled to a 745 OPS last year. Is that really struggling as a 22 year old? And like, I get that maybe you're not comfortable betting on like for him in the next year based on what he did in that season, which was obviously injury prone as well. 
Wander Franco, the sky is the limit, man. And he really, to me, should have been closer to a top 60 pick than a guy who was drafted oftentimes right around the 9,100 range. It's just, I'm all in, man. I am all in on Wander Franco being a big, big thing in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, it's it's funny that this is the lowest I think that he's been drafted over the, like the last three draft seasons, going back to when yeah. he kind of all did redrafts before the COVID year. And I mean, I I don't have any shares of him either. I I feel stupid. Yeah, but it's it's easy to get sucked into the idea of like the counting stats just aren't there. Um, and you know, not taking into account that, that the talent is going to deliver the counting stats eventually and taking into account the age, um, the dude is like, he was just like ready for a breakout and you knew it was going to happen at some point. Maybe it doesn't even happen this year, but I think all the hints so far are that this could be the year that he truly arrives and what the Rays are seven and oh, they're yeah. like setting records. I, I, and they, I know if, if they had won Saturday or if they had won Friday's games by more than four runs, it was like the first team to ever win their first seven games by four runs or more, like in the history of baseball. Um, Shout out to Sarah. When Langs I was putting together that. The, yeah. Yeah. Of course. It always goes back to, to Sarah Langs. Um, yeah. And when I was putting together like that win totals column or like just thinking about win totals, it's always so tempting to go with the under on the raise because it, you sort of look at the depth chart and you're like, how, how is this going to be a 92 win team? Like, I think their, their number was around 90.5. Right. Is this, is this team really that good? But they come through and, and if, if Wander Franco can be like a home run doubles, extra base hits, 900, even high 800 OPS guy for them this year. And he's going to deliver for you in in batting average. Like they could be a a really good offense and like, they clearly have the pitching and that pitching is only going to get better probably um, as they move through the year. So, yeah, I mean, you want to trust the talent. Fantasy scoring doesn't always reward true talent. You know, like there are guys that kind of slip through the cracks, but generally it does. And, and that, that like, if, if he becomes, if he makes the next leap and he certainly seems capable of doing that in terms of like batting average and OPS, mm-hmm. you know, that all of those other numbers are going to be there, um, in, in a, in a fairly productive raised lineup that can turn it over. Um, uh, my second guy is Masataka Yoshida mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure how the numbers would translate. It's always a tricky thing with players from Japan and Korea tricky with both hitters and pitchers to project how they're going to perform in in their first year of major league baseball. But he homered in his fourth big league game this past Monday. He stole a base in his third game. And then again, another steal on, on this past Thursday, Yoshida's hitting a lot of ground balls out of the gate. Yes. Um, But at least he's making contact and it can be dangerous. I think to look at ground ball fly ball rate this early in the season and try to draw conclusions from any of it the same can be said for all sorts of metrics and and counting Mm -hmm. stats and rate stats um i'm encouraged by the fact that he's only has two strikeouts through 32 plate appearances there are the ground balls but it doesn't seem like he's getting fooled um he was not a productive base stealer in japan like at all it wasn't really part of his game so i don't know how to project that moving forward i wouldn't totally bank on it bank on him being like a 20 plus stolen base guy, but the pace sure looks good right now with, with two steals through seven games. I think he's going to be a serious contributor in batting average and on base percentage with like 20 homer, 25 homer pop in his final year in Japan, a 336 average, a 1.007 OPS, a thousand seven OPS. That seems weird to say 21 dingers, 28 doubles past the eye test in the world baseball classic. I love the plate approach. I guess I thought there might be more of a learning curve for Yoshida and, and there could be eventually, but from what I've seen so far, I I don't necessarily think that's a guarantee that there will be this big learning curve. He's hit cleanup in each one of his starts so far too. So the Red Sox clearly feel confident that he's ready to handle a large part, a large role in their offensive attack. Not that they have the best middle of the order options after Rafael Devers. That team is just so weirdly constructed right now. But an everyday player with these kind of contact skills in this current 2023 offensive environment, 
the new rules and possibly a new baseball that en- encourages contact. I feel like Yoshida is set up for a lot of success and I wish I had more shares or any shares. I don't have any, uh, 160-ish ADP this spring in drafts. His draft position was all over the board because he's just a hard guy to project. But I think a really good value if you got him like in the middle to later rounds, which a lot of people did. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great call. Part of this being just like I would have drafted uh, Yoshida. And I'm a guy who usually drafts early because I'm an idiot. Um, but if I knew that Yoshida was going to be hitting cleanup, I would have been much more interested in him, I think, because – all of the talk was about him hitting at the top of the lineup, and sure, that's going to help you in the runs category, but a much higher chance of contributing in all five categories by him being in that cleanup spot. Uh, Drew, this guy was drafted, if you look at on our Rotowire ADP, and I definitely recommend everybody go check this out, uh, right around 112th, which was the seventh second baseman off the board. And it's worth pointing out that, like, there was kind of like a big six second baseman, and then there was a big drop-off. Maybe yes. this guy should have been included in that list based on what we've seen so far. And Glaber Torres has been fantastic to begin the year, hitting 409, 552, 727, two homers. And the big thing here, Drew, already five stolen bases in six attempts. And I think what's worth pointing out about Glaber Torres, Glaber Torres is just the same thing with Wander Franco a little bit. I think people feel like this is like a 28, 29 year old. He's still only 26 and a breakout season is more than possible, which is a weird thing to say for a guy who hit uh, 38 home runs just four years ago. Worth pointing out that of those 38 home runs, 43 of them were somehow against the Baltimore Orioles in that season. I, was I don't know say. how that works out, but it is worth saying. Pointing out it was that like that was 13 a, of them, though, wasn't it? It yeah. was some crazy number. It, it was an insane number. Just listening to Dave O'Brien just absolutely lose his mind as he homers again against the Orioles was a lot of fun. But look, he was okay last year. A 761 OPS with 24 homers and 10 stolen bases. That's certainly not bad. But I think that there's another thing here with Gleyber Torres is, and that's motivation, because all of the talk in the offseason was about this guy getting traded, right? All of the talk was that they were going to move Gleyber Torres in order to improve the pitching staff because they had guys like Anthony Volpe and they had guys like Oswaldo Peraza and some other options that they could ha- play in the middle infield. I think motivation is big for here. And uh, that's, I think, one of the reasons why he might be running a little more, of course, the new rules, all of that stuff, it's going to lead to more added stolen bases. But I see a player who looks like he's very motivated to have a big season and talk about never been a question of talent. It has never, ever been a question of talent with Glaber Torres. Yeah, I mean, I, I was down on him because I didn't know if he would be on the Yankees Same. from opening day because they kept losing starting pitchers and he was a clear trade candidate because they have prospects and just options on their middle infield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it seemed like he had kind of like the, just the vibes weren't necessarily good around Torres and the Yankees, but I, I, I included in that analysis and you can go back and check the tape. Cause we talked about it on this podcast. Like if he's on the Yankees, he's going to be productive, right? This productive. I, I didn't foresee that necessarily, but he's always been a pretty aggressive player. It's kind of hurt mm-hmm. him at times. Absolutely. Um, he plays the game really fast. But with these new rules and and with the bigger bases, you're seeing that aggression turn into production. Um, and I, I think he's I think he's going to keep this going. I, I agree. It's weird to say like he's a breakout candidate because he's already like broken out multiple times in the past. But I think he's going to I think he's going to remain on the Yankees. Um and I think he's he's going to be have a prominent role in that offense, and he's going to hit homers and steal bases. And I I don't yeah I don't think I have him in on one roster, um, but it would it would have been nice to have more shares of him because he was a value at second base. You're right. That, that's been a very that was a very it's been a frustrating position for a couple of years now. Yeah, and especially in drafts this year, I, I hate reaching for like an you know a position player, but it felt like you had to reach at second base and. I, I wish that I had reached a little bit or just waited and gotten Torres where his average draft position was. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Bryant is another one for me. And, and, and speaking of, of bad vibes, like they were not especially great around Bryant during like prime draft season, not because he was hurt again, uh, but because 2022 was such a loss year. Right. The first year of that 
probably ill-advised seven-year, $182 million contract with the Rockies. There were multiple injuries last year, but the plantar fasciitis is what had worried me the most going into this spring. I thankfully never dealt with plantar fasciitis, but I know people that have. And, and the only way yes. for it to get better is to, to get off your feet. Uh, to rest it. Cortisone can help, but like only temporarily. And if you're a baseball player, you have to be on your feet a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I read all the stories over the winter that Bryant got fitted for insoles and was working with a physical therapist to help him, you know, manage the plantar fasciitis. But then he did acknowledge like right at the start of camp that there was still some soreness in his foot. It all just, the whole situation scared me away, but he got through camp healthy. He broke camp in good health. And the situation there in Colorado is still tremendous for fantasy production. It lines up so well to amplify the things that he does best as a very well-rounded hitter. And of course, mm -hmm. he has at least one hit in each of his eight, eight games so far, starting the year on an eight-game hitting streak. No homers yet, but three doubles, eight singles, a 344 average, a 400 on base percentage through 35 plate appearances. You know the homers will come if he stays on this course and for all sure. the faults that the Rockies have, there should be like RBI and runs scored opportunities as he sits in that number two, number three spot in that lineup. 121 ADP on Yahoo. The risk was built into the draft day cost. And I wish I would have taken the risk at least in one league. Um, who knows? Like maybe the plantar fasciitis will pop back up again. Maybe there will be other injury issues. There's been a lot of, stuff over the last few years um, and he's having to cover a big outfielder there in Denver so you never know with the foot just one turn at DH so far which I think is kind of a concern that's been Charlie Blackman's role and probably will continue to be Charlie Blackman's role but when Brian's healthy you know taking half of his bats at Coors Field you gotta love it yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. It's um, I think it's worth pointing out that when Bryant was on the field last year, he was pretty darn good, like 305 average, solid OPS. Power started to come on late. It's worth pointing out the Rockies, the power has not been there for the team to begin the year. Only six total home runs for the team, which is weird to see through eight games. But I absolutely believe in Chris Bryant. Uh, more of a rate guy because I think at some point you are going to see an injured list stint for the dude. It's just science at this point. It's it, it's proven. I hope I'm wrong because I really like Chris Bryant. Very handsome baseball player and very good baseball player when he's on the field. This guy's pretty good too, Drew. Uh, Pablo Lopez. I should have been more on, to on top of this. And look, it's just the two starts. And it's worth pointing out that Pablo Lopez – Got off to a sensational start last year as well. And then, you know, had some other issues and didn't end the year exactly red hot. But he's looked great so far. Uh, against his old team on Wednesday, seven innings of one-run baseball, one walk, eight strikeouts. He struck out eight in both of his starts. It's also worth pointing out it was against the Royals and the Marlins. But his stuff has looked great. The command has been fine. He did walk three in that start against Kansas City. I imagine it was just unbelievably cold in Kansas City for that start because, of course, it is. It was March 30th uh, against Miami in that heat. He had no issues at all. Like, I'm a big believer in Pablo Lopez. It's one of the reasons, again, we talked about it with Sonny Gray at the top of the show. It's one of the reasons why I do think that twin win total is such a strong one because they have options like Lopez in the rotation. And it would not shock me at all if this is a guy who's been good Maybe this is his very good to great season in 2023. Yep. We kind of already covered that that twins rotation. Just a lot of a lot of like number two and number three types. And I think yeah. Lopez might be the best of the bunch. Um that was that was a great get. Like I'm I'm sure every team in baseball was trying to get Pablo Lopez. He was sure. kind of on the trade block perennially before mm -hmm. the twins finally landed him. Um, I, I was doing a draft for an acquaintance on, on Thursday night, this past Thursday night. That's my new business venture, Chris, drafting for people. And I get paid in beers. So I don't get paid in cash. <laughs> there um, you go. But it was on it was on Yahoo, a pretty standard league, six by six scoring with OBP instead of average and slugging nice. percentage as the additional offensive category. I mm. forget what oh, quality starts as the additional pitching category. And man, Xander Bogarts was yeah. like fairly low in those Yahoo default rankings behind Dansby sure. Swanson and Tommy Edmond yeah. at shortstop. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I talked about Luis Castillo looking comfortable in Seattle. Bogarts looks incredibly comfortable in San Diego. And actually, I have uh, Sports Center on my little tablet here, and he was just on there being interviewed and with like a beautiful beach scene in the background. Um, nice. And I, I, I mean, who wouldn't be comfortable in San Diego, just oh weather wise, going from Boston to to that area of Southern California? <laughs> Already has th- three home runs and eight RBIs through eight games. I love that Bogarts has been getting chances at leadoff against left-handers and hitting cleanup yes. against righties. Like you couldn't yeah. ask for a better situation for fantasy purposes. You get the leadoff boost, and then he's in a perfect RBI situation in in that lineup. That'll change when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back from suspension, which is yeah less than two weeks from now, twelve days away from that happening. Uh, but Bogarts could settle into that number two spot against lefties. Love that. Stay at cleanup against righties. And the guy is just going to rake all year. I, I I feel really confident in saying that. He was never like a huge power threat during his time with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, home run totals like mostly in the 20s or even the teens. I think 33 was his career high. That was in maybe 2018, 2017. But this baseball is bouncing. We'll say it again. And he's an all yeah. fields hitter. Like some of his line drives can get over the wall as they've already done. He can pull it. He can go oppo. He shows oppo power all the time and just – eat up the scoring categories, whatever scoring categories you need as part of that good and set to improve Padres lineup with the return of Tatis in 12 days. I tried to get Tatis in that draft um, too, since it happened a week into the season. Um, but the default rankings like weren't adjusted for that fact yet that, that it, this draft was happening when already a week, you know, he's already a week oh. through the rest of his suspension, uh. but I, I got sniped just before it was my turn at the top of the third round. I, I should have been more aggressive on that. I should have taken him in the second round. It was, it was dumb. And I, and I feel bad for that guy, but I, I didn't, I didn't tell him that I failed him um, because really where, the rest uh, of the team is stacked. Where do you think uh, Cade McClure drafted uh, Fernando Tatis in uh, his draft? Drew? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, that situation was so dumb. Yeah, if people don't know that, oh, man. Yeah, so he gave up – He Kate McClure is the guy that gave up a a homer to Tatis in his second rehab game at at El Paso. He's at El Paso, right? Um, Yeah. That was on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm I'm mixing Uh, up my dates. And then McClure, like, tweets over a a highlight on Twitter, like a home run given up – or given up to a cheater or something. That's a bad look. yes. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? I'm okay with calling Tatis a cheater because he is, he did, he cheated. Um, he cheated. But like, you, you look stupid yes. when you're like, yeah, I gave up a homework yeah. to a cheater. Like, come on, buddy. You're better well, than that. Especially, um, especially if you look yeah. at what the pitch was. Like, if Fernando Rodney would have hit that pitch out, dude. There's a reason why you are bouncing org to org. Look, you're better than most people, but Fernando Tatis is going to get you. He, so dumb i i I get that you're frustrated you gave up a home run to a guy who is not a triple a baseball player and you're working on some stuff probably early in the season but that's such a bad look by the way drew it may surprise you he ended up deleting that tweet are you surprised by that development that he didn't like that tweet being up and getting dunked on for hours upon hours upon hours Maybe he was having a few beers after that start. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. Yes. <laughs> I felt yeah, bad about absolutely. it the next morning. Actually, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I have zero I have I have zero Bogarts shares outside of this this uh team that I drafted for somebody else. And nice. I was like looking back, I'm like, why why was he ranked so low? Like, how could we not see that this was the perfect situation? Um, yeah. with him in the Padres and he's not somebody you're going to be able to trade for in any kind of league with, with such a hot start, unless you want to give up a ton. It's like the ship has sailed. If you, if you don't have him, I, I feel like you're going to miss out on a really, really special season. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the talent's all there. He's had tons of success at the major league level. I guess the reason why he slips for a lot of people is the fact that he just has never run. He's never going to be a big stolen base guy. So he is more of a four category player, but I love him hitting at the top of the lineup. Even when Tatis comes back and he moves to probably second against left-handers and you move him to fifth against righties, it's still a very solid situation. Now you get the chance to drive in Fernando Tatis Jr. too, and that is not a bad thing to have for your baseball team. Uh, Just closing us out real quick, 
Uh, Evan Phillips is a draft regret for me because why didn't I draft the closer for the flipping Dodgers? Like, like I have him on like every team. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. This is the thing is that he fell because nobody was really sure who the closer for the Dodgers is going to be. So it is a justifiable regret. Like there is a reason why he didn't get drafted. There was like Bruce dog Gratterall could get save opportunities and it could um, be Daniel Hudson. When he's healthy, he could get some stuff. But he's the closer of the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are really good, so he's going to get a lot of saves while he gets that chance. Yeah, I wish I would have taken the risk there because he could have even been a little relevant, even if not the closer, because a guy who posts a really low ERA does a pretty good job of missing bats. But, Drew, I probably should have drafted the closer for the Dodgers is a regret of mine uh, going into these next 100 You're right, man. It, it, was, it, was, it was hard to predict how that – bullpen was going to work out but he was sure he was so good last year um yeah and like i I, was i doing the save show with you or maybe i was doing it with boyer um and dave roberts likes to have a set closer you know like yeah he does i i know that the dodgers like are really smart you know but i and like i don't even think that robert sets the lineup he's like mentioned that at times in the playoffs like why is the lineup like this he's like the front office kind of sets the lineup and, 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 and does the roster moves, but he's the guy that's calling the pitchers in from the bullpen. That's his call. And I mean, he, he like traditionally, since he's been the Dodgers manager, they've pretty much had a set closer. It helps when that's Kenley Jansen, but sure. He, he likes to have a set guy out there. And that, that's, that was his comment the other night. Like most of the ninth inning opportunities we're going to save Phillips for. You love to hear that. I don't know if it's the best way to manage but that's what we want in fantasy because there are so few of those guys left so let's take a look at those rookie of the year odds to close out the show drew and i think they're really interesting especially in the american league because they are so close together there's a couple guys really close together in the national league too let me just run down the the top five in each league and these are going by these are uh, Drew. Remind me who the, who uh, is providing these uh, fine odds for us. So actually, RotoWire will will track these. If you're a RotoWire subscriber, you can go to the betting oh. page, and they've got all like the awards odds. So what we have here, I put a, a little screenshot in our shared doc, is both the DraftKings and the FanDuel odds, and they're updated. That's awesome. Um, uh, they're up to the minute. So yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Do you and see you, how and I you can you like there, see. Chad? Yeah, and you, yeah. well, it, the nice thing is you can compare them, and I yes. think there will be more more books on there besides just DraftKings and FanDuel. Like, there's there are some other books that will be added to the like. If you look at other portions of these charts, there's all all kinds of different books. So it's it's really nice to hey, you should shop around for better odds if you actually are going to play these kind of bets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a look real quick at the top five for each league. Uh, Gunnar Henderson. Masataka Yoshida and Anthony Volpe are all very close. They're all somewhere between 350 to 450 plus 350 to 450. So four and a half to one. It's interesting that uh, Volpe is the favorite. Oh, actually, Yoshida is the favorite on DraftKings. And then Henderson and Yoshida are tied. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez at fourth. Tristan Cases is fifth. Grayson Rodriguez is 10 to one combined. Tristan Casas is 16 to one, also tied with Josh Young. Uh, Drew, just taking a look at like some of the deeper plays here. One, I'll ask you two questions for the American League. One, who's your favorite? Uh, the guy that you'd be betting on to win if no odds were, uh, if all the odds were even. And two, who's like a long term play that looks interesting on these lists? Man, I, I, I think. What you're looking for here is like volume, a guy that is on the opening day roster um, and has the chance, you know, just has the opportunities to to rack up stats, which I mean, all, all three of these guys at the top are that Henderson, Yoshida and Volpe. Man, I'm, I think Yoshida, even though like, I'm part of it is because I was like doing some analysis on him before we hopped on here because he was one of my draft day regrets not having shares on him but i just i think he's going to make a ton of contact and that's going to lead to some really nice numbers um henderson is an incredible talent like the number one prospect in baseball pretty much everywhere i guess depending on where you look but i i don't know if he's like totally ready to be 
you know, a, a stat superstar right now, I would feel more confident in Yoshida, who's a lot older than Henderson. Um, yeah, I, I would have said this with Seiya Suzuki last year, but before he had all those injuries, like he was the rookie of the year front runner after his really good April. Um, and yep. then he got hurt and it, and it, and it all went away, but Yoshida could be in a similar situation because these guys are just more experienced when they're coming over from Japan. Um, so I, I would probably go with Yoshida. Who would you go with among the favorites? And then we can talk about some, some deeper plays. I think that you're spot on. I still would probably go Henderson just because I think he's going to fill out the stat sheet a little bit more. And I do think yeah. that there are some people that look, it hasn't really been a huge factor, but there are some who may look at it and go true rookie and Gunnar Henderson compared to Yoshida, who is, it's almost an insult to call him a rookie based on what he's done. In Japan. It is. Yeah. And I do. It's yeah. worth so remembering. Think, this is, this is a voted on award. Sorry to cut you yes. off. But yeah. So yeah. people no, are bringing okay. biases and all sorts of stuff into it. Yeah. Yeah. And look, there's also the narrative of if Volpe gets off to a great start too, and if he has the full season, if he's close to those guys, maybe he gets it as the shortstop for the New York Yankees. I think some BBWAA guys just can't help themselves. It's worth pointing out Volpe has not looked good so far. Um, three for 20 to begin the year, but a lot of baseball left to be played. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Henderson just because I believe he's going to be more of a stat sheet stuffer than uh, Yoshida is because of the stolen base stuff. Uh, real quick, I'll just go my long-term odds. I love Oscar Colas at 25 to 1, man, or 22 to 1, depending on which uh, booking you're going to use. I think he's going to be up there with the stats. I think he's going to get plenty of playing time. He's on the opening day roster. He's shown some early success. Again, it's uh, not quite the same thing with Yoshida where he's playing in Cuba, not nearly the same thing as uh, the, but there is the international flair there. I like Colas a lot at 22 to one. That is, I think, excellent odds for somebody who's going to be in the lineup a lot. Yeah. I mean, Asteri Ruiz at 35 to one. Ooh, yeah, so a $20 too. bet would, a $20 bet would pay 700 um, and we talked about him last weekend. Like if someone is going to steal a hundred bases this year and like, it might happen the way it's going right now, it'll be someone like him who's on a bad team and just plays every day and runs wild. Like if, I don't know if he's like closing in on some kind of rookie, Ricky Henderson, you know, he's playing for the A's like that. That could be a narrative that drives him. You know, when was the last time we had a hundred base dealer? I should know this been a long time i don't know it yeah. either but it has been a I don't long time but if, if he's like setting some kind of a's records and stuff like that's gonna draw a lot of attention um maybe the other numbers are like so bad that people are like oh that's a fun story but he's not actually a good baseball player but he's he showed some pop like at triple mm -hmm. a at the upper level of the minors um i know he's he can be a flawed player you can punch holes in a lot of his his stuff but why not Twenty dollars to win seven hundred, or or five dollars to win whatever that would be three hundred. I'm not good at math, but yeah, okay. I, I like I like that kind of. Grayson Rodriguez is up there. He's the the fourth one. I I'm worried. I, I we didn't talk about his debut. I'm, I'm sure some other podcasts yeah. did on on our little RotoWire network. I didn't love the <laughs> command. No. I mean, no, I, it, it, I, the stuff is awesome. It was my first time like seeing him other than like YouTube highlights. Yeah. Um, I thought I he he looked very wild to me, and it it could have been like some jitters, but I know that's still kind of a thing that he needs to iron out a little bit. Sure, and I think there was jitters. I think he was rushing a little bit, especially early on. I think he settled down pretty nicely, and you saw how electric that stuff can be as well. But I would not be betting. I don't think I'd a bet on a pitcher for rookie of the year no, until like late in the season. There's just so much like, stuff, yeah, that can happen. Even Spencer Strider, like. You know, yeah. he what he did in such a limited sample, it's that's very hard to do. Um yeah. like no pitchers in his history have done what he did from a strikeout standpoint in, in such little time. It's it's very hard for a pitcher to have the volume to to claim this kind of award. So let's close by looking at the uh, NL rookie of the year odds and no surprise, the top two, Corbin Carroll and Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker, uh, Corbin. See it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Corbin Carroll is at with you uh, right around uh, 360 plus 360 
uh, Jordan Walker at plus 410. But there are some other guys here. Uh, Kodai Senga at plus 750. James Outman plus 950. Garrett Mitchell 15 to 1. Francisco Alvarez 20 to 1. Miguel Vargas 20 to 1. Hayden Wesnecki 20 to 1. Who wins it, Drew? And then uh, somewhat quickly, uh, who do you think is an interesting long term odd here? You know, I just said like a pitcher can't win it, but I feel like Senga could have the volume to do it. But I, I, I think you're he's gonna have it have to contend with some really good hitters here. Mm-hmm. Um being Carroll and Walker. Walker has a hit in every one of his games that he's played in the major league so far. And I don't even think we've really seen him get comfortable yet. Um it's crazy. He already has a homer. I He's hit some balls really hard, but I I think he's he's prepared to do a, a whole lot more. I would I would put him as the favorite. I love Corbin Carroll's game. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of odd that he's been hitting fifth or sixth so far in the Diamondbacks lineup. Yeah, like Kyle Lewis led off on opening day. Uh, Josh Rojas has been doing it in sort of a platoon situation. I wish Rojas was playing every day. I, I like him in fantasy, but because of the leadoff spot, but he, he, he sits too often. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know. Carol could really get it going from like, as like a five category guy, I'm speaking in fantasy terms. I know that doesn't really apply, but you know, he, like you said with Gunnar Henderson, like he can fill up box scores probably more than Jordan Walker can with a little more dynamic talent, but mm-hmm. Walker's already stolen some bases. Like he, he could do that too. I'm going to say Walker. If we're yeah. talking favorites. Yeah, I think Walker too. Like, look, I, I certainly, if we're just talking fantasy stuff, I like Carol more because he's going to steal a bunch of bases. He's already shown off the elite speed. But if we're just talking rookie of the year odds, I just think Jordan Walker is going to be that guy. The, the narrative matters in this stuff. And I think Jordan Walker being a St. Louis Cardinal coming up, going to get a lot of attention and, and deservedly so. I will say for the long term on here, Spencer Steer at 25 to one is really interesting to me. Gotten off to a nice start. Going to be probably playing every day. Obviously, I wouldn't like him if he wasn't playing every day. I think that's an interesting one. Ezekiel Tovar at 32 to one is really interesting. Yeah. And another Cardinal here too. Alec Burleson at 50 to one. Can I guarantee he's going to get a ton of playing time with the Cardinals? I cannot, but he is playing now. And if he earns that spot at 50 to one being the rookie, I can think of a worse way to spend $10. Yeah. He's been batting second, which is really cool. Like super talented hitter. Um, we've talked about him before a little bit on this podcast, but like he hits righties and lefties. Like you look at his righty lefty splits in the minors. Like, Oh, this guy can just hit. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter what the situation is. And, and the Cardinals clearly believe that the, the problem is like, I, the only reason he's playing is because Lars Newpar's on the IL and, and Newpar could come back as early as Monday. And it sounds like he right. actually will. And for that, the series opener at Coors Field, the Cardinals have too many outfielders and like no starting pitchers. I don't know what, I don't know what the game plan was. Uh, so one of, I think one of them is going to get traded, but it's a weird time of year to like be trading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know when that's going to happen. I, I feel like Dylan Carlson is the best bet to move um, unless like they're really mad at Tyler O'Neill for some reason. I, I don't, I don't want to talk about that situation. Don't, don't get me started. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Burleson's going to play enough. I, I say that, but they, they seem to have so much confidence in him, uh, to be batting him second whenever he plays. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe like if, if someone gets hurt again, he could get the playing time. But I, I don't see him putting up better numbers than Jordan Walker is kind of the point. Uh, yeah. Long shots like Bryce Terang is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like the Brewers really like him. Brett Beatty, if, if he was up. Yeah. Um, Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz is on there. Yeah. When is he coming up? It, it'll be late yeah. this year, right? No, if, I think if it's this later. year. Yeah. 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 I hope I think, I hope I think we're talking 2024. Absolutely, yeah. And like everybody else beyond this thing, I did see Matt Mervis at 80, 80 to 1 and kind of took a kind of close look just because like he was so impressive during the 2022 season, impressed in the AFL and look Eric Hosmer. If they really feel like Matt Mervis is ready to go, is Eric Hosmer really going to hold that guy down? Um and I will say this, we, like, we know, yeah. Go ahead. 
We never answered uh, uh, the Heart Foundation's third base question. Oh yeah, let's close with that uh, because they did they give us some options. Uh, yeah, here? so I'm gonna. This was the first. Yeah, I feel bad. That's okay. So we. This was the first question. I need a backup third baseman for Bobby Witt Jr. in a mixed twelve team league. Wisdom and Paredes are available. Who would you suggest? And then we asked for some more options, and he gave us Jason Vossler, J.D. Davis, Matt Verling, Heimer Candelario. Okay. So it's a it's a competitive league. I would go Perez. Um, and then he says I was shooting for Beatty, but someone snagged him. Already. Yeah, go with yeah. Perez. He's he's in a good spot. I, I don't know if like he's gonna put up a ton of stats, but if we're talking about a backup third baseman, it's you know it's fine. You're doing Drew. Right. You are the people, and it is honorable that you came back to answer that question. And we really do appreciate everybody who drops those in and checks out the show live. Uh, That's going to do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB, and you can follow Drew at Drew Silve. Please make sure and hit like and subscribe. And remember, we've got a new episode coming out every single day during the 2023 season. Drew and Ryan will be doing a show tomorrow. I'm sure they'll be looking at some fab stuff and probably talking a lot of mess about me at the same pine. So yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon.